and welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. We're brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Here's your Wenting's word of the week. It is Scott. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week is Scott. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the race season just around the corner, it's time to get serious about your training. TriJoy can help. We'll meet with you in person to discuss your goals, make a training plan, and give you the support you need to achieve them. Email us for your free in-person consultation. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page. On our program today, Zach Newfeld is going to tell us how to get our mind right on his latest edition of Between the Ears. Mikey Ross will be checking in for his top five list, and I have the latest installment of Fit Flops, Misadventures in the World of Fitness. I'll be telling you about a contraption that if you used it, would probably get you thrown out of your local leisure center. But to kick things off, we have an interview with a local race organizer who's putting on a great event for St. Patrick's Day. And, well, as it turns out, he does more than just organize races. And hell, any guy who knows Cowman is a man I want to know better. Let's jump right into the feature interview. Welcome again to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines as we continue our never-ending series of interviews with firefighters. My goodness, coming up later on in the month, a firefighter out of Delta making his name in the world of triathlon. Nathan Killam is going to be our guest. Of course, we've had Dwayne Foley and now... Another firefighter, or I guess we should say ex-firefighter, uh, coming to his home, uh, from his home rather, from beautiful uh, gymnasium workout session place here in, we're in Coquitlam, right? Yes, correct. It is Jim Winter from Freestyle Fitness. Jim, welcome to FitSpeak. Thanks, Kevin. You, uh, I just met you for about the past five minutes and I think I should call you Mr. Energy. My goodness. Uh, we've just been uh, reminiscing some of the old times in uh, triathlon and whatnot and uh, Jim is certainly a, a veteran of uh, multi-sport. But before we get into that, maybe tell us a little bit about your company, Freestyle Fitness. Sure. So what it is, is basically it's, a, it's called Freestyle Fitness and we do anything from small group training, personal training, as well as we get into uh, things what we call epic events. So for example, we're taking a group down to Grand Canyon this May and we, it's fully escorted. We provide the transportation from Phoenix down to the Grand Canyon and because it's one of only seven dark places in the world, what's unique about the going to the Grand Canyon is when we go down to the bottom and some people want to go up to the other side, so that's called the rim to rim and then we come back down, we all stay the night at the Phantom Ranch and it basically is just spectacular to see the stars and you see the, the Milky Way galaxies, that sort of thing. And it basically, within about two minutes, every booking for the whole summer is already booked up because people from around the world come. So we're on that, we're on top of that and uh, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we do with our epic events. We also do bike trips every year and this year we're going to be going from Vancouver to Calgary and it's all fully supported and last year we took a group to Newfoundland. So so the company Freestyle Fitness is what it kind of in, the name entails. It's freestyle, it's pretty much 
a anything goes sort of thing and uh, we're both certified fitness instructors and uh, we love I'm a certified uh, Ironman training a coach as well so I do do some triathlon coaching and uh, we put on small races we put on 5k run walks and our our charitable donator donation goes to West Coast Kids Cancer and we're gonna get into your latest uh, not necessarily an epic adventure but no. the St. Patrick's Day run here That's in right. just a little yeah. bit but uh, Jim's been doing triathlon ever since Bob Babbitt has I think we're going back into the 1980s here yeah so uh, Jim tell us a little bit about your athletic background as what were you doing in high school well what happened is I was basically doing cross country and did a lot of team sports and originally from this area uh, no actually I grew up on the island so okay. I'm over from the island and which uh, city Victoria Victoria okay. yes home of uh, not home of Peter Reed but that's where Peter Reed eventually did settle down with his wife Lori at the time who as a lot of people do know they were uh, one, two, or they're both uh, winners of Kona, Hawaii Ironman. So, anyways, I, I always called Victoria the San Diego of the North because just because of the geographic location, you get some really good uh, training for cycling, that sort of thing. And I was quite fortunate to get into triathlon sort of by accident because I was building a house with my parents. Uh, a few years back when, and uh, it went a little bit behind schedule so when we had to live in a truck and camper for about two or three months my I was okay with it but my younger sister wasn't too happy but my parents sort of compromised by promises us a trip to Hawaii so that's when I went for my first run out to Diamond Head and I uh, ran into a local there who said asked if I was doing a Honolulu marathon and I of course I'd never even heard of a marathon but uh, later that day I saw an entry for it and I saw it was 10k from the start to where we were staying in Waikiki and the rest they say is pretty much history so at 16 years old I did my first marathon Whoa. and got the bug huh. and uh, lo and behold we were going back there because it'll be my 40th anniversary of running marathons Wow! So and then s subsequently that's when I, I just happened to stumble across the very first premier issue of Triathlete magazine and I got a hold of that and read it front to back and uh, basically I said I said to myself I got to do this Ironman because of course it had Dave Scott on the cover and I read all about <laughs> the Ironman and yeah I did I've done Kona five times and I'm working on my 30th Ironman this year with with Kevin alongside Kevin we're going back to Penticton where going Penticton back. used to yeah be the original Ironman Canada so I want to hear some stories about your your first triathlon I mean yes. most of us didn't know exactly I mean there were no triathlon coaches back in the 80s and even the best of the best, I mean, Dave Scott, Tinley, uh, Molina, they didn't know what they were doing, but they somehow managed to piece together some pretty impressive performances. What was your first triathlon and how did that come about? Well, yeah, it was, it was actually the, the very first triathlon I did is the old, it happens to be the oldest triathlon in Canada and that's in Victoria. Right now it goes by the name of the translucent uh, uh, triathlon, but back then it was the Sri Chinmoy triathlon. That's what it was for many years. And the year I did it, I, it was in 1983, and uh, I signed up just kind of more as a lark because I thought, oh, I can. I, you know, I used to do a little water ski and that sort of thing. I wasn't never a great swimmer or anything, but I didn't think I, you know, I, I would have any trouble swimming. But unfortunately, I forgot I'd signed up for it, and I went out with a buddy of mine, and uh, we'd all gone out. We had a bunch of we went some fun, and uh, I stayed out a little later than I thought. I, I should, should, forgot all about it, but I had a friend come and wake me up and say, "You got to go to this." And back in those days, you were allowed what they called handlers. And a handler would basically hold the towel for you while you got out of the water and quickly change because there's no such thing as transition tents or anything like that. So, so back then, it was legal to have somebody to hold the towel while you did it quickly 
strip down and change from your swim trunks to your bike shorts. Of course, back then I didn't have bike shorts, I just wore run shorts. I, I, because I played hockey, I didn't have a bike helmet, so I just threw my hockey helmet on. How Canadian and is that? Yeah, I had my, it was an old Sakine 10-speed, it had a rat trap on it, so I, I used to ride that to go to school, and basically that's, yeah, that's how I, how I came about doing my first triathlon, and uh, I still remember my getting off the bike and, and running and just feeling the, the lead in my legs, just how, how sore it was, but uh, yeah, I kind of stuck with it, and, and then after that, yeah, you just got, I just kept doing more and more, so. So tell us about how you got into the whole Ironman thing, where you had heard of that and what was your big motivation to sign up? I'm, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, you probably, the first one was Penticton? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah, actually no, my first one was Hawaii. What's for Hawaii? Yeah, my How'd first that one, Just because I, I happened to get a hold of the very first triathlon magazine. So that is, it's going back about, I think it would have been around probably 1984, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, it was, and I would have done Penticton, however, I didn't know about it. I didn't even realize that they had already started. Ron Zalko was the original race director for Ironman Canada, and had I known about Penticton, I would have, I would have certainly done that first, but at that time, you were able to get in as an international lottery. You still had to qualify, basically based on times. In fact, I used to go to Kelowna every year. They had a, the Apple Triathlon. Still going. And still going, that's right. And the race director back then, the original race director for Hawaii Ironman was a lady named Valerie Silk and she from, would from yeah from and she, Hawaii. exactly from Hawaii and she would review all the international entrants and then based on what you did then that was how you were able to get in without sort of qualifying later on which is what I had to do after I, after I started doing Ironman Canada which was from 87 on, onwards, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to get qualify with an international lottery. So '86, it was Kona was my very first Ironman, and then after that, I came to Penticton, and then went right back to Hawaii the next couple of years after that. So, so yeah. a lot of lot of years in the saddle, and yes, a lot of runs out to OK Falls and back, and here you are, you've got your own business, yeah, still engaged in the sport of triathlon. And one of the things that we were talking about is. Uh, a lot of our peers who have been in the sport kind of, as you said so well, went all in and kind of paid the price. Tell us about your kind of approach to training and racing and sticking in it for the long term. Well, that, that's a good point, Kevin, is what, that's exactly what happens is because as many people know, the triathlon is a very, it's not just much as a physical demanding sport, it's really a mentally demanding sport. And so when you put all your energy, focus, not again, not the physical, but also the mental part, that can be such a draining, have a draining effect on your, your whole being. Like, and, and if you don't try to find and strike, what I always said, a balance. You've got to have some kind of balance so that you don't get so all consumed with swim, bike, run, 24-7, it, it, like I said, it can get the better of you because you do have to put in quite a bit of time. And uh, the, the fact that because I was doing this back in the 80s, well, the professionals back then, they were kind of, they, they had no specific coaches, so they, it was trial and error. So back in those days, we just put in big, big miles because it was back then, the more bigger, more is better. So nobody thought anything of putting in multiple 100 mile rides within one week. And it wasn't until later on that they got into the sport specificity of, of things of how, how it, it, it's better off doing like high intense training, that sort of thing. Back then, you just kind of went, you just learned and did what what the pros are doing sort of thing. But So it, it, it can be very demanding on you mentally unless you take the approach where you be a little bit 
you have a little bit more balance. And like, like I was saying earlier, Kevin, in the winter, I don't spend as much time on the bike, but I do other sports like cross country I see some hockey sticks. That's right, yeah. So. I play hockey, I play, I play in a hockey league, whether well, it's a firefighter league I, I played in, and I played in an old timers league. So I don't give up cycling altogether, but it's not, a, it's not an all consuming six, seven days a week thing that it would be sort of come springtime when, and of course, then I look forward to it. it it's basically, it's no different than when Wayne Gretzky was a kid and he didn't play hockey 12 months a year. When, when, when April came around and he hung up the skates, he went right to the lacrosse box. He played lacrosse. He also played baseball. He was a heck of a baseball player as well as a cross player. And what, why he always found the love of the game come, come September was because he, he found that balance and it wasn't an on, all consuming 12 months of the year uh, ordeal for him because like people say, well, how did, how is he that passionate and how did he that, get that good? Well, it's because he struck a balance with hockey so that it wasn't all consuming. And the, just the fact that he, you know, that's, that's the greatest player that ever laced up a pair of skates. And in, in my opinion, that, that just goes to show you that if you have some kind of harmony balance, then you 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 might be able to still find that fire and passion like I do. How, however many years it's been since my first triathlon in '83. So. And your passion for triathlon, um, you've got kind of an interesting career path because you had went to university yeah. to become a teacher, correct? And that didn't quite work out the way you thought it was. Well, I was just, because I hadn't just, I hadn't got there yet. I was that's, I was just on my last, basically, semester because I looked at the long-term uh, goal of being able to have some my summers off if I was a teacher, give me more time to do triathlons, and then I, I found out a guy that ended up doing really well at UBC Triathlon helped me with a firefighter, and with the time off, I kind of looked at that as a, another possibility, and, and just how things work out, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I ended up doing it as a career path I chose firefighting and uh, it was mostly because of the, the the time off that gave me to train to again pursue my passion of doing triathlons so as a retired firefighter mm -hmm. wise decision I think so yes and now you are a teacher I mean yeah, you're a teacher of triathlons exactly yeah yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah no way it's a it's a that was it was a wonderful profession and uh, the nice thing about that is it's a real team com camaraderie um, that you get from from being a firefighter and uh, you're helping people and that's like I say I, that's a good thing that's what I still do now I help people with uh, with run coaching biking what, whatever it is if it's a swim tick, uh, stroke if they need a little work on a swim stroke I, I like to help people out and uh, yeah so it's it's an, it's a natural fit to go from uh, firefighting to basically help a lot of people out even right now we do, we have uh, learned to run clinics and we have uh, walking clinics that eventually a lot of these walkers are moved up to runners now within our group. So I like to, I, I love seeing uh, people really improve and see how engaged and, and excited they get from doing something to, like I say, to start off walking and the next thing you know they, they're signing up and doing a sun run, that kind of thing. And speaking of helping people out, um kind of a clever way of doing it. You've also started to invest in some local charities here. Yep. And the way you're doing that is you're beginning to sponsor uh, a number of races. And that's, uh, that's the one that caught my attention over at the Starbucks at 240th in Maple Ridge. So you're putting on a kind of a fun approach to a St. Patrick's Day run. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. So what we're doing is one of the local breweries in Port Coquitlam is named Tin House Brewing. They've agreed to come on board and help sponsor our event. And it's a 5K walk or run. 
it's, it, it's out on the dike, so it's just an out and back on the dike, and if you start and finish right in front of the tin house, you can come back inside after, have a refreshment, we're gonna have prizes, all that sort of thing, and our proceeds, like I, I think I mentioned earlier, yeah. all go to the West Coast Kids Cancer Foundation. So we know the person that started this about four or five years ago, and we've been behind them ever since, because their goal now is to raise money for a cancer camp, kids cancer, cancer camp, out at Stave Lake, and uh, what I want to do is I'm going to put on an ultra marathon because they're, they're opening up trails up through where this uh, camp's going to be built, and I want to um, put on an ultra marathon. Ultra to help, marathon. Yeah, to help. What, help. what terrain? Yeah, oh yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty nice. So yeah, so we're but we're starting small, and so that we've got this little series going on, and yeah, so this March 14th, it's a Saturday, and it's not, not until 11 o'clock, so you even have time to have a sleep in if you want, but you can come and do this 5K. It's a walk run. You're going to get a shirt. You get a, a, a St. Patrick's Day shirt out of it and again we're gonna have a lot of draw prizes and it's a lot of fun and you you can just go on our on our website it's freestyle fitness BC and if you look on that just under dragonfly racing that's where you'll find you'll be able to sign up right there for the, the event so the folks who are texting are doing something other than paying a hundred percent attention to this um, for our listeners it's happening once again on Saturday it's March the 14th and can you give us uh, out-of-towners, that is, yeah. folks from uh, the Fraser Valley, roughly where uh, your start line's going to be on that day. Yes, so basically, if you came in on the Lowheat Highway, as soon as you come over the Pitt River Bridge, you basically take your first right. The first right you can take, and that'll take you where the Walmart is. There's a Walmart and a Starbucks in Port Coquitlam, and you basically just cut across the street, and then you're, you, you, basically, you run right into the warehouse area, and the, the start is right on the dike in Port Coquitlam. So it's right in front of Tin House Brewery. Good start point, good uh, good finish point. Now, I think I misread your website because I think I was reading if you entered by a certain amount of time, the entry fee was like 20 bucks. And actually, as a matter of fact, it's going to stay that for them. Really? Yeah. yeah so yeah. for 20 bucks, you get the race entry, you get the t-shirt, you get a beer, yeah, and you're sport. making a contribution to, to West Coast Kids Camp. That's, a, that's, that's an amazing yeah, deal. It is. Well, I can say I've been doing races a long time. I also I remember when races were a lot more affordable, and that's what actually got me going because I, I was still at high school when I started signing up for triathlons and that sort of thing and uh, now that I have a chance to, to kind of give back a little bit more I want to try, try to keep that trend up with uh, keeping the prices as low as I can and, and again anything that we do make we just donate towards the West Coast Gets Cancer. So looking down the road a little bit, I know this is a spring race in March. Do you have any other 5K or uh, short running races you want to tell our listeners about? Yeah, yes. As a matter of fact, in, in, on June 19th, we're putting on that. This will be our third annual longest day 5K. It'll be the same format. It's a run walk. Again, proceeds going to West Coast Kids Cancer, and this one is unique in that because it's the longest day, this particular 5K run doesn't start till 7 p.m. So it gives you a whole. If, even if you, it's a Friday, so we we it's have a Friday, a Friday, yeah, Perfect. Friday night, yeah. So you have all chance to go to go to work, come home, grab a little snack, a drink, that sort of thing. Have time to come show up for the start of the run, and same thing. It finishes at Moody Ales, oh. and you can come in for a refreshment. And we also have lots of draw prizes for a lot of the kids, that kind of thing. Because we we do promote um, the high schools and, and things like for the kids to come out for these events. So that will be the next event, June June 19th of this summer. It's the longest day, 5K, and the same thing. Freestyle Fitness BC, you go to Dragonfly Racing and you'll see the events pop up. 
So a lot of uh, exciting things on the horizon for you and your company, Jim. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. And uh, we, like I say, our, our, our little motto on our, I think, website is uh, getting fit with a smile on your face. And that's all we try to do. We, like I say, we, we, we have fun. We, we, we take the training seriously, but we don't take ourselves and we don't take everything else that serious. It's, we, like I say, it's all about having a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Kevin. Hi, I'm Mikey Ross, coach with Abbotsford Triathlon Club, and here's the FitSpeak 89 Top 5 List. In this month's Runner's World magazine, an article titled Worst Pieces of Training Advice Ever instantly caught my runner's eyes. Readers were asked to submit their all-time worst advice, and submit they did. Of the dozens of sometimes bizarre and often simply silly gems of training tips, I chose my top five and did a quick Dr. Google search on each of these curious, or in a few cases, previously unheard of claims. Just a reminder, as with anything on the internet, be reasonably skeptical of anything. So with that in mind, off we go. Running advice number one. You can't run with contacts in the winter. They'll freeze to your eyes. Clearly.ca has this to offer. The answer is no. Contacts won't freeze while you're wearing them because they're kept warm by the temperature of your cornea and tears. Below zero temperatures may irritate your contact lenses, but no worries, they will not freeze or get stuck to your eyes. Interestingly, back in the 1980s, a military study was conducted on rabbits in which they fitted winter bunnies with hard contact lenses and exposed them to fast and freezing winds. The contact lenses did not freeze, and happily, the rabbits did not exhibit any other dangerous symptoms. In fact, they lived happily ever after. Running advice number two. Start smoking cigarettes. It will actually increase your lung capacity. Runtastic.com begs to disagree. Runners who smoke can improve their performance with training, but not as effectively as non-smoking runners. The efficiency level of oxygen being transported to the bloodstream is altered for up to 24 hours after smoking a cigarette, as the nicotine contained hampers the regulation of your blood vessels as well as your lung function. The vessels constrict and less blood passes through. Running advice number three. Don't eat any carbs after a long run because then your body will just burn fat. Runnersworld.com was one of many sites weighing in on this issue. They state, Running serious miles without consuming enough fuel or priming your body to burn more fat actually tricks your body and its hormones into starvation mode. Your metabolism slows down and your thyroid levels fall. You feel more sluggish because your body senses that caloric deficit. If you're trying to train hard, you're going to feel quite awful. A slower metabolic rate could also slow down your recovery because you're not able to provide the substrates, the substances on which an enzyme acts, for restoring cells that are damaged as a result of the exercise. And that's not ideal in terms of adapting positively to training. Running advice number four. If you get shin splints, wrap them in wet cabbage. Okay, this one was new to me and I googled while still laughing at the thought of myself draped in cabbage leaves, but here's what Livestrong.com had to say. 
cabbage has been used as a folk remedy for hundreds of years to soothe painful joints. It's high in vitamins and phytonutrients, as well as anthocyanins and glutamine, both containing anti-inflammatory properties. Although the evidence is anecdotal, cabbage leaves wrapped around painful joints may help with joint pain for some people. If pain persists, consult a health professional. So, while not specifically connecting shin splints with cabbage care, it seems that there may be some further investigation required to see if this works for you. If interested, Livestrong actually provides a step-by-step -step recipe for cooking and applying the cabbage correctly. Patent pending. Running advice number five. Women shouldn't run, but should walk for fitness instead, as running jars the body too hard and will cause internal female organs to collapse, resulting in you wearing adult diapers. Okay, where do I begin with this one? Outside.com had this to say about that. Catherine Switzer, the first woman to officially run the Boston Marathon in 1967, recalls in her memoir how her high school's basketball coach, a woman, told her that women would never play the men's version of basketball because the excessive number of jump balls could displace the uterus. This issue came up again as recently as 2010 when Gianfranco Casper, president of the International Ski Federation, commented on ESPN's Outside the Lines that the female uterus might burst during landing from a ski jump, reiterating a statement that he made in a 2005 NPR interview that ski jumping is not appropriate for ladies from a medical point of view. Uterine prolapse, a condition in which the uterus falls out of position, is a real medical issue. The National Institutes of Health, however, do not list exercise of any kind as a probable cause. Well, there you have it. Now when some non-running friend or total stranger jumps at the chance to educate you on the hazards of running, just remember, if we followed everyone's advice, we'd be running blind, smoking, starving, stinking of cabbage, and finding anonymous uteruses every time we laced up our runners. For the FitSpeak Top 5 list, I'm Mikey Ross. Coming in at $160 American, plus taxes, plus shipping, plus exchange. It's this week's Fit Flop of the Week, The Body Blade. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to another edition of Fit Flops, Fitness Gone Wrong. Whether that fail is from fad diets, unsafe or ineffective training routines, or in this case, an overpriced, silly-looking piece of fitness equipment that will travel from your mailbox to your basement and then to your local landfill. Let's get to business because that's what the body blade is all about, business and making some bucks off naive and possibly well-meaning fitness followers. First off, here's what it's supposed to do as the ad says. The body blade is designed with a fixed rate of 270 contractions per minute. A body blade increases proprioceptive awareness, coordination, and overall strength. Sounds something that could really help doing stuff for life in general or perhaps for a specific endurance sport. Yeah, you know I'm talking about swimming. So now that we know what it's kind of supposed to do, how does it do it? First off, the thing looks like um, a long, cylindrical-looking sort of 
Luke Skywalker lightsaber when it's fully extended. Something like that. Now, what you're supposed to do with this device is handle it sort of like a sword in a Japanese ninja film. Maybe not quite as quickly, but you move it from side to side and up and down and over your head. Made by a sort of a ninja workout meets Tai Chi sort of routine. And all the while, the special weights that are inside this thing vibrate at 270 contractions in a minute. And that will stimulate your muscles and mind into beauty and bliss. The question, of course, we'd like to ask is, well, does it work? Well, as the advertisers say, it will, to some small extent, improve your mind-body awareness coordination, but not to the extent of 160 American plus shipping plus taxes plus exchange. But doing that same sort of motion using maybe a two-foot piece of pipe or maybe a punctured bike tube will net many of the same benefits for about $158 less. So there you have it, similar to the Shake-A-Weight. There's also the miracle machine called the Body Blade. It's supposed to increase wellness and fitness, but it's something that looks pretty silly and looks even sillier when you actually do it. Save your money and maybe invest it in a fitness class at the Mission Rec Center for the Fit Flop of the Week. I'm Kevin Hines. It's February, and many of us have experienced our New Year's resolutions succeed or fail, or something in between. Why do New Year's resolutions often fail? What helps us succeed? I'm Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. In an article by Triathlon Magazine Canada, Cam Mitchell discusses why we struggle to keep our New Year's resolutions. Mitchell remarks that January 1st is a fresh start for many of us, when past failures don't count and we can start anew. We are goal-oriented creatures, but the New Year's resolution culture doesn't work with our brains. Goals are often vague and obsolete, leaving us unmotivated after a month. It takes energy to move towards a goal. We become depleted without recharging or lapsing back into old habits. We are gung-ho, but there is more to goal setting than just do it. Although, maybe we should just do it. No one knows what we can freely choose to change our futures. We don't know what we're capable of. Literally. Dr. Bobby Hoffman wrote in Psychology Today that we can set smart goals. That is, we can be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-conscious. Let's use joining a master's swim as an example of a New Year's resolution so we can practice goal setting. Make it specific. This is the who, what, when, where, and why. Is the goal for you or someone else? Perhaps you have a friend who can come with you and help keep you accountable. When are you going to swim? Does the time of day work for you? Can you build your routine around it? Is it at the local rec center? What do you want out of the master's swim? to get faster at swimming, to improve your strokes, to meet other athletes. Know who, what, when, where, and why you're going to join a master's swim. Make it measurable. Set up a system so that you can get quantitative feedback on your goal. Will you record which days you go to the master's swim? Will you journal notes of what the coach says to you about your form? Take a before and after video of your form? Will you time your 100 meter sprint to track your progress? Will your friend call you before the swim to make sure you are going? 
These are ways of making the goal tangible so you can get feedback on progress and assess whether you are moving towards your goal. Make it attainable. Is it possible for you to go to the master swim? Do you have work, school, kids, or other responsibilities that may prevent you from going? What is keeping you from achieving your goal? Can you walk, drive, or take the bus to the swim? Can you afford a swim pass? Will a friend go with you? Are you able to consistently write down when you go, how fast you swim, or compare your swim technique to when you started? The more you want the goal and the more you are able to achieve it, the more likely you are to succeed. Make it relevant. Is the goal personal and intrinsically motivating to you? Do you value the input you are going to get from your coach? Do you like interacting with other swimmers? How much do you want to get faster from 0 to 10? What could make you want it 10 out of 10? The ability to share your success with your spouse or training partner? Do you want an Instagram-worthy body? Do you want to master swimming as an art form? Keep your goal close to your heart. Where your heart is, your treasure is too. Make sure you know what the treasure is for you. Make it time conscious. How often will you go swimming? How will you know if you're succeeding? Will you record the days you go and count how many days you go a month? Will you set small increases in speed throughout the year? Like doing a sub 2 minute 100 meter in 3 months, a 150 100 meter in 6 months, and a 130 in a year? How about taking pictures of yourself throughout the year to see how your body changes? Remember, goals are targets. They are graded. It isn't always a success, failure, white and black thing. If you make it to one master swim at the beginning of the year, you went to one more than last year. If you go more times a month each month, you're progressing to going every week. If you go every week, you're closer to going swimming several times a week. All of these are smart ways to be better at moving towards your goal. For Between the Ears, I'm Zach Newfeld. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Scott. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Scott. We're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether your goals are iron, golden, or ultra, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page to book your free consultation and goal-setting session. Coming up next time on FitSpeak, Kevin Watt will be introducing his new segment and will have your upcoming event schedule, as well as results from the Fort Langley Historic Half. I'd like to thank Jim Hall from Freestyle Fitness in Coquitlam and remind you of their St. Patrick's Day run that's coming up on March the 14th at Tin House Brewing in Coquitlam. For Mikey Ross and the rest of the Fitspeak gang, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.